So the word out of Davos is that they really do see the world a little bit differently than you, me, and we. This was just one of the conversations from the World Economic Forum where Governor Eric Holcomb went to go speak. This is a conversation of globalists about globalization, and this was an actual conversation from the Australian e-safety commissioner. We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're, we have increasing polarization everywhere and everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online, you know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to, you know, to be free from on- online violence. A recalibration of freedom of speech uh, that was shared by Andrew Lawton, a Canadian uh, radio host, a candidate uh, for office and a longtime observer of the political scene. He joins us now from uh, Davos. Andrew, uh, that video has been making the rounds, man. And that's the kind of thing that people fear at these kinds of conferences where very wealthy uh, elites uh, rethink our lives. Uh, what was your take from from not only that, but what you've been seeing so far? Yeah, thanks, Tony. And by the way, I should say she's one of yours. She's an American that Australia poached uh, to come as its e-safety commissioner. And on the surface, it might not actually be a bad thing. I mean, I look around at certainly things that have happened in my own country of Canada, and I'm like, yeah, we could have a recalibration of free speech. But I, I don't think it's the kind of recalibration they have in mind. And, and just uh, about an hour and a half ago, I, I just tweeted out a link to it. There was a, another discussion in which an executive was like gleefully boasting about he, how he is developing a carbon footprint tracker that will monitor what you eat, where you travel, how you travel. And, and again, I mean, there are lots of conspiracy theories about what's happening here. I think the most compelling thing is to listen to these people in their own words and what it is they want to do around the world. And what they want to do around the world is, you know, used to be seen as conspiracy theory regarding uh, the World Economic Forum, regarding some of these uh, uh, events where... uh, Captains of industry, if, if you will, would meet. And now it's it, it, they seem to show themselves as, you know what, those fears in a lot of places are, are very, very well-founded. This is just one of a couple of conversations uh, that have been going on uh, there. What is the purpose of the World Economic Forum, and what is it that we could see coming out of this one? So, and this is the big thing. I mean, if you look at the stated purpose, so what the chairman, Klaus Schwab, and the board of directors, what they want to do, it's to bring together global leaders in the political sphere, in the uh, public policy sphere, in the uh, media sphere, in the corporate sphere. They want to bring them all together and, and literally build the future. These are the words used by Klaus Schwab in, in his opening remarks yesterday. He looked around the room and said, the future isn't just happening. You guys are all a powerful community. We can build the future if we work together. Now, the benign interpretation of that is that it's all just a bunch of nonsense, that he's just trying to go after corporate money. He's trying to put on a big party, make it the place to be seen. But the reality is you have government officials that love this, that eat this up, that that believe wholeheartedly in the Davos agenda. And, And that's the big problem, because you've got people like John Kerry here this week, for example, who love a lot of this discussion. He, I don't know if he was in the room when they were talking about the personal carbon footprint tracker, but you do have public officials that very much like to take away what's discussed here, put things into motion, then come back next year and talk about all the progress they're making. Well, 
what they consider progress. That is part of <laughs> yeah. the problem. Talking to Andrew Lawton. You can find him, Andrew Lawton, L-A-W-T-O-N dot substack uh, dot com. Uh, the governor of Indiana, Eric Holcomb, my governor, uh, wa- was there. Any chance you saw anything he said? I, I haven't yet, but I should say one of the big challenges here is they um, don't like uninvited media. So to even ask for accreditation to get into all the good spots, they have to give you permission to even ask. So I'm not even here in an officially accredited capacity because they wouldn't give me that that little access. So I, I haven't seen him walking around. But one thing that is interesting, some of the, these VIPs, they're not used to this not being their own little safe space. So a lot of them, I mean, there was like a, a UN official that was just walking around. There was a WHO official that was just walking around. I was chatting up India's natural gas minister yesterday. So I will keep an eye out for your governor. And if there's anything you want me to ask him, send me a message. He, he well, don't worry. I send plenty of messages. He just doesn't uh, respond. He may, he may have already left, but it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about being invited to speak, which kind of uh, sends the signal about this. I'm not somebody who gets bothered by, uh, by meetings, right? Uh, if, if a group of world leaders want to get together, they can. If a group of uh, industrialists, we'll call it, uh, want to get together, uh, they can. But what is the take on what they discuss there versus how they want to implement? And, and, and I guess the, the better asked is, have we been able to see and have you been able to see, whether it's in your own beloved Canada or, or in, in other places, where a conversation that took place amongst people who don't have to live by these rules is then implemented on people who have to suffer under these rules? You know, it, it's a tough question, and it's dif- difficult to say, are the countries that are coming here coming here because they buy into this already, or are they picking up a lot of these ideas and a lot of these strategies uh, here and, and then bringing them home? And I, I think it's probably a bit of both. I mean, my prime minister, uh, Justin Trudeau, he loves the global agenda. He loves the multilateral meetings. He loves the U.N. more than he loves his own country. So the idea for him being around global leaders is, I, I think, quite dangerous because it, it gives him the political cover to do all of these other things by saying, well, I mean, we need to do these because they're doing them in Tuvalu and they're doing them in Vanuatu and they're doing them in Switzerland. Like, that's the, the big challenge here. And, and I think certainly, uh, like one, one discussion uh, that came up yesterday, there was a, a Norwegian central banker that was on a panel and she was talking. And I, I posted this clip on, on Twitter about how, you know, the, the energy transition will come with, in her words, pain. And she said, you know, we have to just accept it's going to be painful for people, but it's worth it. And, and it's these people that have never had to experience the consequences of these big picture ideas that they're putting forward that I, I find is what's so insidious about all this. One of the other clips uh, that you have up when people follow you on Twitter, Andrew Lawton, L-A-W-T-O-N, is uh, from the Oxfam executive director, Gabriella Boucher. And uh, what's interesting about Oxfam is that it, it's, it's known, it's clear that this is an organization that isn't in favor of, of, a, of a valued society. And this is her take on a global tax system. Listen. So if uh, in Pillar 2, um, the percentage, the tax rate had been higher at 25%, which was actually what was uh, recommended by, by groups of tax experts the world over and actually connects with the rates in, in, some, of the, in some of the economies that are participating in the deal, then $17 billion more um, dollars would be raised in, for the developing world, for least developed countries and middle-income countries than is the case. She's making the argument for a global 25% corporate tax rate, saying that would be $17 billion to help the globe as opposed to $17 billion taken from the people who create uh, the wealth that they can then spend as they see fit. It's part of the further 
argument that these people are convinced that they know best how to spend our money. Yeah, and, and the thing, too, in, in what she said more broadly in that session that was quite, quite I mean, dangerous is that she, she was actually taking aim at countries that lower their tax rates to be competitive. She, she was calling it a race to the bottom and said, anytime a country is lowering its tax rate, that's harming this global push where she said you need more countries to agree to tax corporations at 25% so that others will join. And it'll have this compounding effect. And eventually there will be no haven in the world to set up a company where you're not paying a quarter of your income on taxes. Before I, I let you go, Andrew, uh, we did a lot of conversation. We spoke to you about the freedom truckers when they were uh, protesting, when they were, uh, you know, they were they were on the bridge there between the U.S. and and Canada. They they if you idle, you get a ticket. I mean, they, they they created laws to go after these truckers. What has been the end result there and uh, Trudeau's position within Canada and, and the view of him by Canadians? You know, a lot of people moved on. I mean, the, the Russia-Ukraine war happened in the immediate aftermath of this. But right now, there's a public inquiry going on about uh, Justin Trudeau's invocation of this uh, really sweeping anti-civil liberties measure that he used to end this convoy. And the government is trying to conceal access to its deliberations, to the, the data it relied on to make that decision. So uh, there, there's a political fight there now. And I think the lack of transparency is making people think, oh, you know, maybe they... They, they actually didn't have the evidence they said they did to come in and, and start cracking heads.